Welcome to episode 342 of Sports with Friends. Glad you could join us. Thanks for tuning in. Thank you for all who subscribes. Thank you for anybody who listens to this podcast. There is a new television show on HBO and HBO Max. It's called Winning Time, The Rise of the Lakers Dynasty. Two episodes have aired so far at the time that we're releasing this podcast, but there are planned for a series, possibly even a second season. It's all based on a book by someone we had on this podcast before. Jeff Perlman is with us, the noted reporter, former Sports Illustrated, former ESPN, and now he's written nine books. And in 2014, he wrote a book called Showtime, Magic, Kareem, Riley, and the Los Angeles Lakers Dynasty of the 1980s. And the show is based on that book. So it's going to be very cool to talk to Jeff. We also want to welcome back Manscaped to our world. Uh, Manscaped is a sponsor for this episode of Sports with Friends. We'll talk about them in a little bit. Also, we're welcoming back BovadaSportsBook.com. And their head odds maker, Patrick Morrow, is going to be here, as he is known to do, because this is the week the NCAA tournament starts. Patrick, give us a preview. Seth, March Madness is upon us, and for one of 68 teams, it might just be winning time. Excellent. And we're still sponsored by Blue Chew as well. Way back in episode 165 of the podcast, we had Jeff Perlman on when he wrote a book about the USFL. It's called Football for a Buck, and it was a great episode, and I'm pleased to welcome Jeff Perlman back to the show. Uh, the, the fact that this podcast has been around long enough to have you book two times is fascinating, but man, your world's been turned upside down. Suddenly, one of the books that you wrote a while back is now is this hot TV show. So I would imagine you're getting pulled in a lot of directions. So I appreciate your time, man. Yeah, my pleasure. You didn't mention in the introduction, you, I am offended that you didn't notice my, my hip hop career, my cooking ability, <laughs> my, uh, my knitting skills, and also my ability to make fart sounds off of my hand. <laughs> I didn't put that in the, uh, in the open. I wanted to keep the sponsors that we had. Oh, I see. Um, you came on. And it's a it's an amazing episode. I actually listened back to a little bit of it. Listening to the podcast after I edit them, you don't do that, do you? You never listen. You have your own podcast, Two Writers Slinging Yang. Do you ever yeah. li- after you're done putting it together, it's out. You don't listen to it again. Sometimes I do. Sometimes I do. Sometimes I like hearing it, and I like. Uh, sometimes you're so focused on doing the interview that you miss stuff, or you really mm-hmm. enjoyed the conversation. Sometimes it's nice to relive a conversation you enjoyed, and also. Sometimes it's good to listen to your own work and figure out what you did right and what you did wrong. Well, uh, I listened back to 165. The USFL uh, book is fantastic. Uh, But the podcast that we did was really a lot of fun. The stories from that uh, were fascinating. I wanted to start this this way. Um, Who approached who? Um, You know, Adam McKay comes in and he, you know, he's done a lot of the press for this television show. But you had written the book years ago. Uh, how did that? How did the origin story of the book? I knew how the book was written. You talked. You talked about that last time you were on. How did the book turn into the show? How did that start? Well, I wrote in 2014, and I just kind of got lucky that I was promoting it on. Uh, I think it was ESPN Radio. I think Max Kellerman had a show back then with Marcellus Wiley, and there was a uh, okay. a screenwriter out here in Southern California named Jim Hecht, and his big credit at the time was Ice Age Two: The Meltdown. 
And he was a diehard Laker fan. And he reached out to me after hearing me on the radio or he bought the book and read the book. And he said he read it in like a day and a half. And, um, and he reached out to me and said, I would love to talk to you about this book and making this book into something. And he was going to be in New York. I lived in New York at the time. When you say something, did you think it was going to be a docu-series or did you think it was going to be what it became, this, this acted, scripted drama? I didn't think it would become anything. I just okay. thought he was full of crap because they're all full of crap. And whenever people tell you this and you go through this enough times, you realize people are just full of crap and they're telling you what they think you want to hear. And I mean, my career is filled with people optioning books for almost no money or no money or a little money. And, but they always know Tom Hanks' uncle and so-and-so's cousin. And <laughs> so I didn't think anything. I thought this is nonsense. This is never going to happen. But I, he came to my house and it was Easter Sunday, 2014, and we're Jewish, so it didn't matter to us. And we have family dinner right. on Sundays. And he brought with him a, uh, this made him stand out. He brought with him to my house a, a tomato, a block of baker's chocolate, and a uh, bottle of imitation wine drink. So not even wine, wine drink. And my wife's like, who the hell is this guy? And I'm like, I don't know. And uh, <laughs> he was very nice, like really nice. And oh, I think this book can be so much and we could do so much and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, okay, goodbye. It was good meeting you. I'll never hear from you again. Yeah, yeah. And through the years, he would check in. Oh man, I got a meeting with this guy and I got a meeting with this guy. And I was like, okay, this will never happen. And then maybe four years ago, he's like, Adam McKay wants to meet with us. And I'm like, all right, that sounds great. I'll drive up. And I didn't know who he was. So I Googled Adam McKay and I'm like, oh, he's kind of a big deal. Yeah. I went to his house and he was very nice. And we talked about basketball and we talked about the book and I left and I thought, well, this is never going to happen. And then HBO sent contracts and I thought, oh, well, this is cool, but they're never going to make it. And then, um, I don't know, like I was, I remember, I don't remember specifically the order of things, but like one day I was on my computer and my, a friend of mine texted me a link, I think to an article in like the Hollywood reporter or somewhere. And it was like, Adrian Brody agrees to play Pat Riley in Laker series. And I'm like, wait, what? And then Sally Field agrees and John C. Riley agrees and Jason Siegel agrees. And I'm like, wait, what the hell is going on here? The next thing you know, they're actually making the series and here we sit. Um, I would imagine, you know, you're reading it like we all are when you saw the story of Adam McKay and his longtime partner, Will Ferrell. Will was going to play Jerry Buss. Oh, Will and- wanted to play Jerry Buss. He was never going. He wanted to. Well, he wanted to. Right. But they had a big falling out because of it. And it was all, it was a whole thing. I would imagine your position on this and forgive me if I'm overstepping here, you stayed the hell away from all of that. Well, there was no place for me to step into. It wasn't my business. And I'm not, I'm not a, I don't work in Hollywood. So like, what am I going to say? You know, like, I mean, people will say, will joke to me and say, whoa, you broke them up. And I'm like, I don't even, I mean, I know Adam McKay a little, but I don't know these people very well. Right. So, uh, I mean, I don't think, I think they made the right choice. I think uh, John's, I, I think the problem with uh, Will Ferrell is, I think he's awesome. I love his movies. I love his work, SNL. But I think when you see him, you're very aware you're seeing Will Ferrell. And I think John C. Riley is much better blending into a character. We all have our strengths, you know. Sure, sure. The cast of this is is through the roof. I mean, it, there's there's no limits. You mentioned Sally Field, Michael Chiklis as Red Arbach, uh, Quincy Isaiah. Have to shout him out. Uh, he plays Magic Johnson. Jason Clark plays Jerry West. I, I mean. What can you say about just seeing this whole thing come to life? You've interviewed so many of the real people for the book. So, Mm -hmm. you know, all these people, if not 
secondhand, you know him firsthand. What was what has it been like seeing this cast come together like that? Well, I mean, it's really thrilling from a personal standpoint that you wrote this book and this thing exists. I also think one thing I didn't think about that much, but actually you do have to deal with when you're in this position is um, you have to be able to let go uh, a TV. It's not your book. It's based on your book. Your book is a source material, but it's not your book. And, you know, you've read about it. I've read about it. A lot, how, a lot of people complaining, they say, you know, Jerry West isn't depicted the way he should be depicted or this isn't quite right. Or did this really happen that way? And you, you really, in my shoes, you either sort of let go a little or you live a miserable life because you're never going to be, it's just like your, your brain is trained to report facts, facts, and facts. And I'm going to dig and I'm going to find every character and I want to get to the bottom of that character. And a TV show is different. It's, it's, um, it's a creative interpretation of your work. Uh, and you just need to accept that. So while it's really cool, it also has been a challenge for me because I've never thought this way before. And I'm also, to be honest, I'm a horrible audience for sports movies and sports TV shows. I always have been. Like when I watch 42, <laughs> as an example, yeah. I hate 42. Because um, I always watch and I think, well, this is crap. This isn't accurate. And my, my, my least favorite movie of all time is a movie called We Are Marshall with Matthew McConaughey. Sure, I remember. I'm always like, this was a real tragedy. And they're just turning this into some Hollywood glut. 61. 61 was changed too. 61. And, and some better than others and some more realistic than others. But like, The Express, the, uh, the Floyd Little story. Miss that one. Uh, I know of it though. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but um, you just sort of, when I watch them, I'm very critical. And now that I'm part of one, um, I've had to sort of just rethink my approach to it all and my acceptance of things. And that's been unique for me. There are, there are intimate details about the show that I wanted to know um, whether or not they came from the source material or if it's creative, uh, for example, when Jerry Buss goes to the first owner's meeting, the word welcome on the sign is spelled wrong. That's probably it's, creative license. I don't know for sure. Now I will say they did that's a lot That's what of I'm saying. Like, like they take those things and you're like, wow, they, they purposely put that in there. They didn't, that's not an accident. You no, know, they didn't but I'm comfortable with that. I'm okay with that because you, it's, again, it's not a documentary. So like something right. like that, I'm totally fine with. The, the, the one I've been asked about a lot is the uh, Norm Nixon, Magic Johnson white party scene where they play basketball in the first episode that didn't happen. Right. So to me, that's more like, Whoa, really? That never happened. You know, like, okay, I understand it's a device to show the hostilities between magic and Norm Nixon and within the confines of a creative experience, viewing experience, I get it. But again, like as a writer, you, it, I am working. It's like a, I almost sound like I'm in therapy. It's like an ongoing process to become pre, uh, comfortable and understanding. Sure that it's not a documentary. More with the great Jeff Perlman in just a moment. But first, if you're listening to this podcast the week it's released, the NCAA tournament is upon us. That's the bracket time. You're all filling them out. You're all doing it on an app, or now you're doing it on a website. No more printing out the ballots, right? You can also head to BovadaSportsBook.com and check out the latest odds on all these games. We welcome in the head odds maker at Bavada, Patrick Morrow. And Patrick, let's break down the brackets. Let's start with the West region. Uh, Gonzaga is the top seed. Uh, Duke and Mike Krzyzewski with his uh, final season. That's the two seed. 
Again, I see that as an Elite Eight game. That could be uh, incredible. Uh, the three seed is Texas Tech. The fourth seed is Arkansas. The fifth seed, honorable mention, I want to just mention UConn. Uh, I could I could go down down the list. What's your thought here? What are the odds on the Western bracket? Right, and uh, right out of the gate, uh, it, it's it's Gonzaga, and they are the only uh, regional favorite that is an odds-on favorite, Seth, which means they are greater than fifty percent than the rest of their competitors at Pavada to win the West Regional. Uh, Gonzaga, of course, uh, is a mainstay amongst the college basketball Blue Bloods. Uh, they were in the national championship game last year against Baylor, unfortunately came up short. Uh, and really, you know, there's probably only two teams. I, I mean, listen, it's college basketball. It's a 40 minute game. Teams get hot. We see this. It's not a series. They can be upset by other teams, but really you're talking about uh, a regional where it's Gonzaga, it's Duke. And I, I do want to give a little bit of love to Texas Tech just for grinding it out in what I believe was the best conference in college basketball this year, the Big 12, absolutely top to bottom. They really beat up on each other this year. And uh, I like Texas Tech to definitely hang with this team, uh, these other two teams, if not outright take it. So, uh, but that said, Gonzaga did get a pretty good draw, but a well-deserved one. They were the number one overall seed. This is what you get for having such a dominating season. And, uh, you know, candidly, uh, I'd prefer to see Gonzaga off the board. They are one of our liabilities. Not too often that you see Chalk be a liability in futures, but that speaks to how popular Gonzaga was coming off. Uh, they've really had a, a few good years in a row right now. They are, they're one of the few teams in college basketball set that return a lot of seniors. They're not uh, these NBA factories like Kentucky, like Duke has become more so in recent years with the one and done. So that kind of continuity has really allowed them to be a mainstay at the top of the college basketball rankings. All right, let's go down to the Midwest. The top seed is Kansas. The number two seed is Auburn. Uh, number three seed is Wisconsin. Number four is Providence. Goes down to Iowa. We can go down to LSU. It goes all the way down to 16. What's your take and what are the odds on the Midwest region? So as you noted, Seth, uh, Kansas is the one seed in the Midwest region and they are the two to one favorite at Bavada. So they are not uh, an odds on or outright favorite in the sense that uh, it, it's a much more wide open bracket. Uh, Kansas did get a break in the Midwest Regional as a lot of uh, bracketologists, uh, I don't know, that feels weird to say still even in 2022, um, but they avoided Kentucky. A lot of uh, a lot of the mock uh, tables, or I guess we have to call it bracketology, anyways, had Kentucky as the two seed in that region, and uh, that would have been much more difficult than Auburn. Not trying to slight Auburn, but our efficiency ratings do have uh, the Wildcats of Kentucky as a much better team. Uh, Iowa a little bit sneaky at plus 325 Seth. They are the five seed, but they are the third biggest favorite in the region. The advanced analytics really like that team. They're playing really good basketball right now coming off the Big Ten tournament. Uh, the South bracket, the South region, uh, the top seed is Arizona. The number two seed is uh, Jay Wright and Villanova. Uh, Tennessee is the three seed. The fourth seed is Illinois. Five is Houston. Tell me about the South region. South region, Seth, is uh, another pretty wide open one at Bavada, Arizona at number one are your plus 180 favorites. Uh, Tennessee right there at plus 375 uh, coming off the heels of, uh, you know, really strong SEC tournament, uh, you know, 
listen, this is the time of year where uh, you, you have to throw a little bit of what we thought we knew about these teams in November, December, January. And we see teams get hot and just continue to do it. Uh, you know, we talked about uh, UConn as an honorable mention a couple brackets back and, or a couple regions back. And Tennessee is playing just really consistent basketball right now. I would really watch out for them. Another team that I like, you know, we don't give out picks, but I think could be a little bit underrated and the analytics community really, really likes them is Houston, the five seed at plus 550. All right. And then wrapping it up, it's the East region. Uh, Baylor is the top seed. Kentucky, number two. Purdue is number three. UCLA, four. St. Mary's, uh, number five. Uh, goes to Texas at six. We can go all the way down to Norfolk State at 16. What are the latest odds on the East region? Uh, Seth, uh, the East regional is clearly the most balanced uh, region in this March Madness tournament. Uh, and it's the only one where the one seed isn't the outright favorite. Uh, Kentucky at number two are the two to one favorites at Pavada, followed by Baylor. UCLA is right there at four to one, Purdue plus 450. Uh, very wide open a lot of talent there you know texas plays okay basketball north carolina hey they ruined coach k's finale you gotta like that um i i think this is going to be great i i i can't pick a winner from this region the analytics love all these teams the eye tests love all these teams uh it, it's just going to be good basketball uh maybe maybe if you want to step out a little bit the San Francisco Dons at 20 to one, just, you know, under the radar. But uh, again, we don't give out picks. We just, uh, we just say things that we maybe kind of like. That's right. It's up to you to fill out your brackets, bet on the games, go to the Bovada website and check out all of them. Now back to the Lakers and winning time, the rise of the Lakers, the show based on the book by the great Jeff Perlman. Well, it's also interesting because of the time that it's being released. You know, it's you, you said you wrote it in 2014. That was a, a different time too. Jeannie Buss is well known. <laughs> you know, she, she's a, she's a kid in the in in this yeah. in this show, and I think there's a whole generation that are going to be introduced to Jerry Buss. And you and I are similar in age. And what I remember is Jerry Buss having that reputation. But I don't think 20-year-olds, I'm not even talking about children. I'm talking about 20-year-olds, 30-year-olds that don't know who Jerry Buss, that are going to be introduced to the architect of the Lakers from this show. Well, I like that. That's one of the things I love about it. Um, Jack McKinney, Magic's first coach. A lot of people had no idea he existed. I love that. that um, I love the small characters who they never knew about. And, you know, it's funny because I know, I'm sure Jeannie Played is- Played by uh, Tracy Letts, by the way. Exactly. Um, who I never heard of because I've never heard of half these people. That's a funny thing. You can name the big four character actors in the show. And I'm like, oh yeah, Sally Field, of course. And Adrian Brody, of course. But I'm not someone who, um, I don't watch that much TV. I don't actually watch that many movies. Never seen The Godfather. I've never seen Caddyshack. Like I'm a weird <laughs> guy for people to you say. You haven't hooked oh on God. to the streaming services, the uh, the Disney Plus and the, the HBO Max? Yeah. We have Disney Plus just because my daughter's friend let us use her account. That's the only, nice. uh, no, we're not, I'm just not, I'm not anti-Hollywood at all. And I, yeah, yeah. I have enjoyed playing movies, but I'm not in the know. So like someone would be like, whoa, Tracy Letts, that's his name, right? Tracy Letts. Yep. Yep. And I'm like, okay. And like even Michael Chiklis, like I had to look up Michael Chiklis and I was like, oh, he was the thing. He was thing. the thing in uh, Fantastic Four. Right. But I, I wouldn't have known his name yeah. going into it. And so I think people expect when I come on shows, maybe to be a little more starstruck and whatever, but I don't, I don't have the base knowledge to be that starstruck, you know? 
No, that's that's actually refreshing. You know, I had that idea watching it, you know, that you weren't going to be gaga about this. Like that that's not what you are. Um but I'm thrilled that the show I think you'd rather talk about the Bo Jackson book coming that's coming as opposed to this Laker book. Like, has this has this taken over? How much of your day is spent either doing press or doing stuff or just watching this 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 show? Well, it's decreasing. I just, to be honest, it's like anything. It's like, um, I'm not trying to name drop, but I had a, no, no. one of my two friends. <laughs> if there's ever a friends, place to do it, that's what a podcast yeah, is for. This isn't a great name drop, but I'm, I'm friends with a former Dodger outfielder, Sean Green. And uh, oh, sure. I used to cover Sean when he was with the Dodgers and just when I was at SI. And we had lunch yesterday. And I was saying to him, like, I was like, I don't, I don't know how you answered these questions all the time. Like the same, like he would get the Jewish athlete questions nonstop. And it really does get tiring. And like, you're, it's not that I'd rather talk about Bo Jackson. I kind of, at this point would rather just do work. Like I don't, it's been two and a half weeks now of talking about the show, you know, like there's only so much I can say, like before this show, I did another interview this morning and it's all about, so why'd you write the book and what can you tell us about magic? And it's fair. They're all I'd like fair to questions. think our questions are a little bit more original. Sure, but I'm saying like, <laughs> I'm, I'm a journalist. So I ask these questions yeah. too, and I totally sure. get it. But after a while, you just don't want to answer any more questions. You just want to go do your work, you know? And um, so that's no disrespect to anyone because I'm the exact same. I answer these questions too, but I kind of get it's annoying after. It's not annoying. It's just wearing it, taxing after a while. Sean Green, uh, the, my Sean Green experience was with the commissioner. Uh, Bud Selig at the time I was working for MLB when he sat out pennant race games in late September for Yom Kippur and I was Jewish and I supported it I all I said was I wasn't anti the league you know the league didn't have a stance on this they let him do what what he wanted to do and working for the league at the time uh, I had took a very hard stance and said you know it's a holy enough day if he wants to do this he he should and the folks at MLBAM uh, told me, I, I don't know if I'm speaking out of school, but it's my podcast. I can do what I want. Uh, I couldn't work those days. That if I was going to take that stance that I, as a Jewish person, I had to, to observe Yom Kippur also. Right. And I, I remember all eight years that I worked for MLB, I did not work on Yom Kippur. And it didn't matter what it was. And it was the year, it was 2002 when it started because I remember the, the year before, that was the big uh, Mets return to Shea Stadium after 9-11. It was the Jewish holiday and it had to be there. You know what I mean? Like it was, it, it superseded all of that. But that, when I think of Sean Green, I think of getting a nasty email from Bud Selig saying you're, you're taking off those two days. Bud Selig, Jewish. Yes. Oh, yeah. Weird. Oh, no, no. It wasn't like I, they were coming down on me. It was just that I was, they, they were like, if you're going to take that stance, you have to take it all the way. I and I did, and, and, and it was it was it was fine. Uh, what it what it was, um, when the writing process is going on for the script, mm-hmm. are they asking you anything? Are they checking with you at anything? Like how much? I'm not asking. Did, you know, did you take creative license or did you write this thing and you know and not get credit for it? Did they did they consult you during the process? Yeah, a lot. I did not write it, and I didn't. You know, so it would be dumb to give me credit that I don't deserve. They were really nice about sending me all the scripts, asking my opinion, checking if certain things were checked out. Is this, would this be 
feasible? Is this plausible? Um, you know, I think there was, they were dabbling with the idea of would the Lakers have talked to Boston about trading Kareem? And I was like, most definitely not. You know, like mm. there's a lot of like little things just uh, going over sort of um, little details, like what kind of uniforms did they wear during the summer league in 1979? Um, what would the texture? Yeah, the, the, the shirts that Magic's wearing. I, I've only seen the first two episodes, but the sh- the kids shirt. That's yeah. that's straight out of 1979. Yeah. So they were very. Uh, the attention to detail was really impressive, and they were. I always say, and I really mean this. They easily could have taken the book, paid me my money, and said, "Thank you, goodbye. We'll call you if we need you. Goodbye, and never hear from them again." And they did the opposite. They sent me every episode. They sent me every script. They gave us parts in the first episode. They couldn't have been nicer across the board, top to bottom. Could not have been nicer. No, it's 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 really good to hear. It's Max Bornstein. Is that who you dealt with? Well, it was mainly Adam McKay, Kevin Messick, Max, Jim Hecht, and Rodney Barnes are kind of the big five. Support for Sports with Friends is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below the waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision engineered tools. For your family jewels. And I rhymed and I didn't even realize. It's great to have Manscaped back with Sports with Friends. The lawnmower, I've used it. It's wonderful. The Crop Reviver Toner. The Performance Boxer Briefs, wearing them right now. The Ball Deodorant, much, much more. The Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer. My wife actually likes that. Manscaped recently launched the Ultimate Men's Hygiene Bundle, the Performance Package. Join over 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer for you. Type in the keyword FRIENDS2022 at manscaped.com. 20% off and free worldwide shipping. The trimmer is waterproof. You can say goodbye to the mess on the bathroom floor. The Weed Whacker also waterproof and provides proprietary skin-safe technology to help reduce nicks, snags, and tugs in those delicate nose holes. Manscaped even threw in two free gifts to their Performance Package 4.0, the Manscaped Boxers and the Shed Travel Bag. Guys, it's time to take care of yourself. Go to manscaped.com, get 20% off and free shipping with the code FRIENDS2022. That's 20% off and free shipping with the code FRIENDS2022 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. Use the code FRIENDS2022. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. You know, last time we did this commercial, we ended it with a smart aleck remark, but I meant it. Man, woman, anybody, as long as you're an adult, photos are available upon request. This episode of Sports with Friends is brought to you by Blue Chew. Listen, owning your own podcast means you can talk about anything. The feedback I get from this podcast is that it is an intimate conversation. Well, what's more intimate than talking about sex? There are all kinds of reasons guys aren't able to perform. Age, medical conditions, stress. It's not something that you should be stressing out about. It happens. It's okay. And usually, if whatever the reason is can be rectified, you will be just fine. But you don't want it to impact your social life. And if you have the opportunity to have sex, you do not want something to impede your possibilities. 
The Chewables from BlueChew.com can help make sure you're able to perform at your best every time you get the opportunity to have sex. It's a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra or Cialis, but in chewable form and at a fraction of the cost. Blue Chew tablets help men achieve harder, stronger erections. Blue Chew is an online prescription service, so no visits to the doctor office, no awkward conversation. Have you ever had a conversation about sexual dysfunction with a doctor? No waiting in line at the pharmacy. It ships right to your door in a discreet package. The process is simple. Sign up at BlueChew.com. Consult with one of their licensed medical providers. And once you're approved, you receive your prescription within days. The best part? It's all done online. Sex should be the best part of your day when you get to have it. Don't let whatever happened during your day get in your head and ruin the fun. They're made in the USA, prepare and ship direct, so it's cheaper than a pharmacy. And we have a special deal here at Sports with Friends. Try Blue Chew free when you use the promo code SWF at checkout. Sports with Friends. You just pay $5 shipping. That's BlueChew.com, promo code SWF to receive your first month free. We thank Blue Chew for being a sponsor of Sports with Friends. Jonah Hill also directed an episode. He did episode um, two. Yeah, yeah. And uh, uh, it, it seems like, you know, the, the story, it, it, I like the idea of these mini series. You know, they was just the other show was uh, about Pamela Anderson and Tommy Lee. And that was eight episodes. I, I like that as opposed to movie. I, I would imagine, you know, when you, in the past, when, when sports books or just historical books had been turned into to, to fiction, they would always be turned to movies. Now it seems like this is the new model, this, this episodic mini series for these streaming services. And it gets, it, it all, it automatically trends. I mean, there are people on social media bitching about the fact that it, you have to wait a week. Yeah. You know, that's, that's the old model. You know, the HBO, it's airing on HBO before it goes on HBO Max, whereas Netflix, you know, all eight episodes would be out in a, in a day. And it really continues to be what entertainment has become. Nine times out of 10, when we see these, I mean, Star Wars is getting a lot of credit right now for changing their model. You know, when Disney bought Star Wars, it was Rogue One and Solo. And now it's The Mandalorian and Boba Fett. And there's an Obi-Wan Kenobi show and all these things. And it's reinvigorated the franchise. So the fact that this is going to be going on, it's going to be going on in your life, but it's going to be going on, period, just continually for 10 what eight weeks 10 weeks it's going to be it's going to be mind-blowing this thing's going to be trending for a long time and i actually was debating whether to have you on in the beginning or the end yeah i don't even um i kind of just want to get back to my life like i uh, <laughs> to me it's just a tv show i mean it's cool it's like really cool i love it but i'm like i don't even know what to say like yeah i guess that's great like i'm it's it it's been like a dreamy run like going to premiere with my kids was one of the best nights of my life Oh, Being cool. on set with my wife was one of the best days of my life. And now it's a show. And like, it sounds weird, but like, so I've seen it. I watched episode two. I love episode one. Episode two is not my favorite of these series. Um, You've seen them all. I've seen them all. I, I think it's an excellent series, but like, I've seen them already. So now I don't even know what I'm supposed to do with myself. Am I supposed <laughs> to watch them all again? Like, am I supposed to keep like, 
you know, like at some point you just get back to your life. You know, like sure, people don't sure. want to hear that. Like I'm, but I'm not like hanging out in Hollywood drinking martinis with famous people. Like I'm sitting at my crappy desk in the <laughs> suburb trying to write my next book. You know, it's just a weird, I don't know. It's just, you know, people have expectations. They think it's a certain thing and it's just, it's been awesome and it's been fun and I get paid extra and like, I've met some really great people. I mean, Adam McKay has been fantastic. These people are lovely. Jim Heck, the screenwriter has become a really close friend. Oh, good. Uh, I know how lucky I am. I'm incredibly lucky. Um, but it's weird talking about a book I wrote eight years ago. It, and it people will be. be like, so when you wrote the book, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I don't know, man. I wrote the book eight years ago. Like I'm, you get really into it and then you leave it and you move on to the next project. So it is kind of weird to get yanked back into this project that you haven't touched in eight years, you know? Well, I wanted to get uh, to one thing on the series and then just some stuff on the Lakers. Um, one thing that I noticed, the show starts in the in what is Magic's future uh, in the hospital, uh, in the doctor's office when he's yeah. uh, diagnosed with HIV. Uh, I know the day well. I had my wisdom teeth pulled that, that day. And I remember, uh, I can remember that day like it was, it was yesterday. Um, what about the idea uh of them starting the series that way that's you could have just done chronological order and i think it, it, it it's a it's a great attention grabber but it you know i'm assuming that's where it ends um well i don't know where it ends because they only do the first season is only 7980 and the book is 79 to 91 so presumably they're going to have more seasons so that haven't been written yet is that so i don't is is that been confirmed well they i don't know if it's been confirmed confirmed but i know they're writing a second season already so I don't know where it ends. I thought it's really funny, actually. My um, huh. my wife's grandma is 102 and she's in great shape, great mental health, still drives, has a trainer, blah, blah, blah. Supermarket your, every your, gra- your wife's, your grandmother-in-law is 102 and still drives? Yeah, and she's wow. a good driver. Wow. And her her catchphrase as a side is she always says, um, you ask her how she's lived to 102. She says, I don't drink, I don't smoke, and I only had sex twice. Like that's what she tells. <laughs> and we were at a... Uh, a few years ago, she was at a restaurant and a waiter says, you want to make it a third? So um, <laughs> she's awesome. And she watched the show and she knows nothing about sports, nothing about the Lakers, nothing about Magic Johnson. Right. Wouldn't recognize him if he knocked on the door. And she's 102. And she called me afterward and she was very confused about the intro. And she's like, so is he dead or is he alive? And I was like explaining it to her. Well, you have to understand. I actually really like it. I think it's a smart way to start the show because presumably... 98% of people are going to know what happened and the other 2% can sure. call me and ask. Uh, I just think it was cool. I actually like it. I really like the beginning of it. I don't know how long the series will go. I have no idea. What's your, your thought on the way Magic Johnson is portrayed, at least in the early going? I, love I, it. I don't think a lot of people who know of Magic Johnson know about his religious upbringing. Yeah, I love it. I love everything about it. I think his there, there's a beautiful, I think one of the most beautiful pieces of TV I've seen, at least at least maybe in the show or whatever is early on him walking through the house, you know, and they talk to the camera a lot in this show, which some yeah, people yeah. criticize, but I actually really like, I like it. it. Yeah. He loved his mom says something and he goes, mama can scare Jesus off the cross. Like, I yeah. love that moment. <laughs> yeah. And there's another moment he's walking magic's through. from the devil, the word magic. Yeah. Right. And there's a moment where he's um, his aunt says, Irvin, tell your mama not to burn the chicken. And he goes, that's between you and Aunt Helen. And uh, I just like there's these little moments of him yeah. walking through. And I think they capture sort of the late 70s and this household and this enclave in Michigan. And, uh, you know, his mom saying, are there even churches in Los Angeles? Uh, you know, him saying, mom, they're the biggest churches in the world. 
and with all these fine honeys, you know, filling up the fuse, <laughs> like it's just beautiful. It's so beautiful. It's it's probably my favorite part of the entire show is magic in this house right before being drafted. And it and it really, you know, colorizes the character that was Magic Johnson. Totally, Magic Johnson. You know, I'm 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 probably young enough. I never interviewed him. I, you know, he retired when I was in high school and. Uh, I never really dealt with him uh, as an owner or as a broadcaster. I just never really crossed paths with him. Um, he just seems like a magnanimous figure. It just seems like such an interesting guy. Um, I'm surprised he, you didn't deal with him. Uh, he didn't want to deal with the book. Uh, the book's very fair. I, I don't. Oh, yeah. No one. He never complained about the book. No, I don't think anyone with the Lakers complained about the book. Jeannie Buss said she loved the book, you know. Yeah. Um. Some people just don't want to talk, you know, some people like having control over their message and some people he, he could have been like, well, I don't know who you are. Why do I want to talk? You know, it's all, yeah, I got no beef with any of that. That's fair. That's uh, it, it's kind of interesting. Do you uh, support the way Jerry West w- was played? Um, I didn't think he would be that big. Again, I've only seen the first two and uh, he's a central figure, but he's not a central figure in the Lakers. I mean, he was in during his era of the Lakers, but not the, the Showtime Laker. Well, he was, he ended up being the, the, he kind of put the team together and he wound up serving as GM. So I would say he was a major figure. Um, I feel like uh, the number one criticism people seem to have of the show is that's a little over the top when it comes to Jerry West. Uh, again, it's not a documentary, you know, it's right. an interpretive look. So I get the criticism. I totally get the criticism. I think it's a fair criticism. Um, but again, like, I think all criticisms are fair. Like you're, if you, people just come in with different viewpoints and they, some people love stuff and some people don't, some people are comfortable with interpretive media. Some people aren't. Um, I think Jason Clark is really good as him, like amazing as him, but you know, he probably wasn't quite as high strung as they've made him out to be. We went over uh, the other uh, books in the open. Uh, We obviously had John when the USFL book uh, came about uh, football for a buck. Uh, of your books, you know, you've said in the past, you know, people talk to you about shows all the time, but now that you've seen this one come to life, is there another book that you think would be a great series? The Mets book, the the Favre book? I, I don't know. I'm spitting here. I mean, the Roger Clemens one, that would be. Yeah, hysterical. no, definitely not. I, um, <laughs> the Clemens book never needs to be read again. I, um, <laughs> I, so I'm not saying because I wrote the books. I'm saying that no, no, no. Teams are good stories. I'm not has nothing to do with me. I think the mm-hmm. '86 Mets are a fantastic story. Um, I think Walter Payton's a fantastic story. His rise and sort of demise late in his life, and the sort of, in a way, heroic way that he approaches death. I think really fascinating. Um, so if you want to pay me to adapt any of my books, man, I'm I'm here for you. I understand. Yeah, I'm here. I understand. Are you making uh, me an so- offer? <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what I'm doing. Um, the uh, the next book is the Bo Jackson one, correct? Correct. October. Now that's written. That's done. Yeah, it's just going through edits. So what what can you tell us is on the horizon? What what's what's the future? You mean beyond Bo Jackson? Yeah, beyond Bo Jackson. I mean, I really want to do a Tupac book and sort of venture out into the away from sports. I don't know if that'll happen. Oh, music. Um, I mean. I don't know. I, I've like, I, I like the idea of trying maybe screenwriting a little bit, try different kinds of writing, mess around a little. One thing that's cool about the show is it's 
it's given me a little flexibility and mm-hmm. introduced me to different areas. And, you know, as you get older, you definitely like the idea of challenging yourself and breaking out of your mold a little bit. And I've written a lot of sports books. I've enjoyed it, but I like the idea of different kinds of writing. So maybe, uh, maybe just messing around with different stuff. I remember when we had you on all those years ago, uh, we talked about not being a daily sports writer anymore. And that was mm-hmm. something that you had embraced that, that, that was something that if you see the way that the, the, the journalism profession is going, um, it's pretty dicey out there. I mean, there's papers folding still left and right and, you know, journalism jobs, guys are taking buyouts all the time. And, you know, the fact that you've been able to settle in here and, and make these books profitable and successful and be able to change your journalism career to that. Um, almost like I'm almost asking you a follow-up to a question I asked you three years ago. Uh, but what, what's your thought on, on just the idea of continuing to make this, what your career turned into? I mean, I think I'm incredibly lucky. I really do. I think uh, I love writing books. Like I hate it, love it. It's like, um, I always say years ago when I was in college, I had a girlfriend and I had mono and my girlfriend felt bad for me and gave me a back scratch and she had really sharp fingernails. She gave me this back scratch. I remember afterwards, my, my black was, my back was like kind of bloody from the back scratch, right? Okay. And it was the best back scratch I ever had and the worst back scratch I ever had. It was like pleasure pain. And books are like pleasure pains. I always think of that back scratch. Like the the digging takes forever. Tracking down people is hard. You're reading and reading nonstop about a single subject for two years. It like it beats a living crap out of you. It really does. But at the same time, you have this catalog of books in front of you and or you become a PhD level uh intellect in a certain subject you know like i feel like i hold a phd in bo jackson right now i held a phd in showtime lakers and it's really cool to kind of accumulate that knowledge and have that knowledge at your disposal and write a book and feel like i like the idea that i don't care about my legacy i don't think i have a legacy i don't care but i do like the idea that i write a book about bo jackson and maybe 20 years ago someone who wouldn't have known bo jackson existed is reading about bo jackson like that gives me real pleasure so um it's just a cool gig. You know, I've never, I never wear shoes. I'm not wearing shoes right now. I never wear shoes. Um, I almost always wear basketball shorts and a t-shirt. I've been around to see my kids grow. My daughter's a freshman in college. I, you know, shepherd her through schooling and my son's a sophomore and I'll pick him up today at three o'clock at high school. Like it's given me all these opportunities to do things that I never, when I entered this business, I didn't think, wow, it's going to be great as a dad because I was like 23, years old. It's just been an amazing ability. It's given me the amazing um, gift of being around. You know, there's there's all kinds of future projects, and uh, you know, obviously, as they get announced, I would love to have you back on the show. Uh, we'll have you back when the when the Bo Jackson book comes out. No question. Um, what about LeBron James? What about the story of LeBron James? I'm not saying do you, Jeff Perlman, want to write a book, but do you think that his story um, really needs to be told his activism, his charity work. There's so much, and there's so much uh, of his perception is based on that decision that he made when he went to Miami and, you know, just all the different things going back to Cleveland and leaving Cleveland, going to the Lakers and all these different things. He just seems like a fascinating guy that a lot of people don't really know. I think it's a great book. He's iconic. It's hard to find 
there's a difference between great players and iconic players, you know, and it's a, it's almost like, you know, it when you see it, I always say like Brett Favre, who I wrote his biography yep. is iconic. Ken Griffey Jr. is an all-time great player. There's a difference. I don't know what it is, but it's a difference. And Le- LeBron is fa- factually iconic. And I think you could do a book just about his rise from Akron. Yeah. Growing up, single mom, projects of Akron. I think there's a really interesting story, the ri- book, The Rise of LeBron. Um, I don't know if I'm the guy to write it. I'm not really. No, no, he, he'd write no, it. I know. Oh, <laughs> yeah. You know, with his production company, he'd, 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 do this, he'd do the show. He'd cast the whole thing. Yeah, I, I think he's a great story. And I think he, um, I, you know, I, I love LeBron James. I actually do. I mean, as a person, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I don't know either. Story and narrative. And I think his, his willingness to take a stance and sometimes it doesn't go well, but at least he's out there speaking. And, yep. you know, I kind of, I feel, and the funny thing is I hate Kurt Schilling. I hate everything he stands for. Yep. He's annoying and he's gross and blah, blah, blah. But like, at least he's willing to take a stance. At least he puts his mouth where his, you know, where his heart is. And yep. I admire that more than people who don't do anything. So guys like LeBron who take a stand, even guys like Kurt Schilling who take a stand. He was a dick that. to cover though, way before social media. Of course, he was. Of course he, was he was. an asshole. I'm just saying though, he at least he speaks his mind and he's not just playing golf every day. Like I kind of admire that. Yeah. Yeah. He, um, yeah, he, he, there are a million shillings of dick story. Believe me, I know him too. Oh, he's he's just he was just an asshole. He was he was a pain in the ass to deal with then. I didn't hate him as much as uh, Manny Ramirez. Manny Ramirez bothered me more because uh, when he pushed that traveling secretary to the ground. Oh, yeah. And they didn't suspend him. They traded him to the Dodgers. And I thought that was so weak. Um, you know, I look back on my career. I actually, it's funny. I did tell Sean Green this yesterday. I look back and I think how meekly. I behaved around athletes because I was this young writer and these guys were quote unquote stars. And I always have a lot of, not regret, but I look back and think I would not be that way now. Like they're just people and they're no more worthy of time than you and I are, you know? And like, we sit there and we kneel before them because they can throw a ball through a basket or hit a round object with a bat. It's just insane. And guys like Manny Ramirez, Schilling, the assholes of the game deserve to be called out when they were acting like assholes, but we allow them to do it. The book is called, or was called, it still is called, uh, Showtime, Magic, Kareem, Riley, and the Los Angeles Lakers Dynasty of the 1980s. That came out in 2014. The show is called Winning Time, and I love how they can't call it Showtime because there's an app called Showtime in the network. I'm glad you love it. <laughs> were they were they annoyed at that? I, you know, I thought that was so cliche to ask that you know, when we were talking about the show. Is the name, was the name a big deal to them? No, I wouldn't say a huge deal, but I think it was known as the Showtime Project for a long time. And then someone at HBO, understandably, just decided. I don't know if they were worried about it's just not worth picking this fight with Showtime or if they just thought it would be confusing to people assume it was on Showtime. Yeah, so I understand. I mean, I I was slightly annoyed for about 27 minutes and then I moved on with life. Gotcha. Winning time is called the rise of the Lakers dynasty. Uh, congratulations on the show's success, on your success, and uh, thanks for coming back. Uh, let's make sure we do this more often. Awesome. Thank you so much. Jeff Perlman for his second appearance right here on Sports with Friends. We have a couple of great podcasts planned for the rest of the month of March. Next week, we're going to do something on sports media with all the changes in the NFL broadcast plans. That should be an interesting one. And then the week after, we're going back to Formula E. Andre Lauderer. Uh, formerly of Audi, now with Porsche. Uh, he 
is a driver there, and he is going to join us to talk about a sport that I love promoting here in the U.S. And if you're listening outside the U.S., then you'll dig that too. So thanks to Manscaped, thanks to our folks at Bovada, and also Blue Chew for sponsoring this week's episode. We will see you next week, each and every Wednesday. Go check out Winning Time on HBO and HBO Max. The show is great. Really, really fun. And uh, I'm looking forward to the rest of it. We'll see you next week. If you want me to stay, I'll be around today to be available for you to see. I'm about to go, and then you'll know for me to stay. I got to be me. Person. Mm-hmm.